This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I ought to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Joe Westbrook, driver of the Hills Racing 47 Knot. This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome in to Horsepower Happenings on a beautiful Monday. Finally, the weather breaks and we get a little relief from the heat. A good week shaping up and a good race weekend as well. Uh, We got a lot to talk about uh, because, well, there wasn't a lot of racing last weekend, but we did find some stuff. All that and more coming up, but first, here's what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Ryan Blaney became a back-to-back winner with the NASCAR Cup Series on Saturday night, surviving to win the Coke 0400 after what was a crash-filled race. Uh, now the NASCAR Cup Series gets set for the playoffs. First race coming at Darlington for the Southern 500. For the third time this season, check this out, Ty Gibbs led every lap of an Arkham Menard Series event This time it came at the Milwaukee Mile. Now, this is pretty cool. Gibbs also led every lap at Charlotte and Kansas, and he led all but one lap at Michigan and Iowa. Uh, This kid has been hard to beat, Ty Gibbs, with the Arkham Menard Series. With $15,000 on the line, Justin Grant defended a Tanner Thorson slide job on a green-white checkered finish. Thorson came home second ahead of Kevin Thomas Jr., Brady Bacon, and Logan Seavey. That action took place during SmackDown at Kokomo. And Max Verstappen held off George Russell and Lewis Hamilton to collect the win Sunday during the rain-plagued Belgian Grand Prix for Formula One. Now that description sounds a heck of a lot better than what actually happened. Verstappen won the pole on Saturday and completed two laps behind the control car before officials called the race official. They never got up to speed controversial decision for sure fans not really happy about it it was for Stampin's 50th start with Honda so a uh, pretty neat win there nonetheless those things and so much more happening tonight on horsepower happenings good evening welcome in I'm Zach Heiser Rich France joins me tonight how you doing sir I'm doing great I had uh, a one-nighter at Flat Rock uh, just kind of a, um, a schedule filler I guess you could say but we had some fun a 250 lap enduro on some street stocks so um Coming up on one more week, which my final week. I'm done at Flat Rock this year. Wow. I'm all done. Wow, so, wow. It's, uh, it's an emotional time of the year. <laughs> well, sure. I think I'll get over my emotions as I'm pulling into Winchester Speedway. How about that? <laughs> It'll probably be good. Man, it's been a tough week. I know that you've got a local note to pass along, uh, but, uh, man... Uh, on the on the national side of things too, man. One of the great reporters was uh, taken away from us this week too on the national scene. Yeah, Robin Miller. Uh, I mean, I grew up watching him around sprint cars and Indy, and um, yeah, that you know we heard that news last week, and, and it went uh, all throughout the racing community. And then locally, Zach, uh, you know, sad news to report 
I hate when we have to start the program out like this. Uh, it's been, it seems like it's been more this year than in years past. Uh, but Chuck Hall, who, uh, who won 90 figure eight races, uh, features between Toledo and Flat Rock, passed away on Friday following a battle with cancer. Hall was a Toledo native who raced in the ARCA figure eight division from the late 60s through the 80s. He was the Toledo champion. Zach, this is going to take a minute, okay? So yeah, I'm, sit down. I'm ready. Yeah. So he was the Toledo champion in 1970, 76, and 77. He would pick up the Flat Rock championships in 76, 77, 79, 80, and 81, and 83. He was also a Toledo Speedway limited late model champion on the half mile in 88, 89, and 91, where he accumulated 31 feature wins. Um, I knew Chuck. He was a great guy, and he's a class act. Uh, Chuck Hall was 82 years old, and our thoughts and prayers go out to Chuck Hall, his family, and friends from everybody here at Horsepower Happening. Well, as we mentioned, racing over the weekend was kind of hard to come by as Mother Nature, well, she reared her ugly head. And then, of course, season endings also taking place across the state. But uh, there was some racing not to be uh, not to be completely washed out. Friday night, Winston Speedway played host to the Sunoco American Late Model Series. Donamar Coolier started on the outside pole, and that was enough for him to roll to the win ahead of Chad Finley and Rich Bell Friday night. Then on Saturday, ALMS teams went south to Oakshade Raceway. Also rolling from the outside pole, Rusty Schlank became victorious, holding off Attica Oakshade Late Model Challenge Series champion Devin Shields. The big mover of the race, though, Cody Bauer, who came from 12th to finish third ahead of Colin Shipley and Rich Bell. Well, Zach, uh, we saw this gentleman race here on the last uh, Hell Tour swing through Michigan. Devin Moran faced two different battles Saturday night at Davenport Speedway. The Dresden, Ohio driver survived several restarts against his competitors and overcame a power steering issue to score the $30,000 victory in the Quad Cities 150 presented by Hoker Trucking. In the first few laps, Moran traded the lead with reigning series champion Brandon Shepard, but took the lead for good on lap six. While the mailman was cruising out front, his power steering started to go away, forcing him to battle the steering wheel through every corner. While Moran led most of the race, uh, the rest traded positions throughout all 70 laps. Brian Shirley, the race's hard charger, drove his way to second after starting 15th. And Boom Briggs, Zach, I love that name. I It's it's a race car driver. When they named him, they knew he was going to be a driver when he grew up. Grew up. Uh, Boom Briggs crossed the line third, his best World of Outlaws finish of 2021. Uh, Shepard and Bobby Pierce would complete the top five. Uh, Moran's win is his fourth World of Outlaws triumph this season and eighth of his career. He added $43,500 to his bank account this weekend at Davenport between two wins and a third place finish. All right, good stuff there. Now you might hear a third broadcaster come into the mix. I've been joined by a guest in the studio tonight. Little Rosalie has made an appearance, but uh, I don't think she'll be too much of a distraction. She likes auto racing. So we'll tell you what happened at uh, Corrigan Oil Speedway. Tim Lahar showed the way in the final Howard Hanna Real Estate Executives Modified Challenge Series race of the 2021 season at Corrigan Oil en route to his second overall feature win of the season. The 44-year-old driver originally from Clio uh, now calls Lansing, Michigan home. He overtook 2021 Sawyer's Chevrolet Modifieds track champion Jason Parrish on lap three and then held off newly crowned champion Walt Obrinsky. We've talked to him a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he held him off for the $1,500 payday. Obrinsky Jr. finished second ahead of Dominique Van Wiergen as uh, Parrish and Northside 
Towing.net Big 8 Super Late Model Series champion Phil Bozell made a rare modified appearance. He completed the top five. Also collecting a feature win Friday night was Fort Wayne, Indiana's Paige Rogers. Starting on the pole of the Late Model Sportsman feature, she went 30 laps and held off Andy Bozell and Tyler Hufford to collect the win. The victory is Rogers' second of the season, and Rich, it's our pleasure to bring her in on the program tonight. Paige Rogers, welcome in to Horsepower Happenings. Thanks for being with us tonight. Thanks for having me tonight. Hey, you know, this has uh, been kind of cool. I, I've been loosely following what you've had going on this year, and I say loosely because uh, i got to be honest, Paige, until this year and you started racing at Corrigan, I didn't really know who Paige Rogers was, and now with two wins in the books, uh, one coming on Friday night up here at Corrigan Oil, I said, we got to get this girl on and figure out who she is. So, um, man, I, I guess the first question is, who's Paige Rogers? Tell me a little bit about how you got into racing. Um, so my stepdad, he got me into racing. He used to race street stock, mainly just at Bearfield. Went to Winchester once, blew up an engine, didn't really go too well. And then when I was younger, I was probably 11, and he was like, we got to get you in a go-kart. And I was like, well, why not? So started there, did the go-karting for a while, really liked it. So then uh, moved up to late model sportsman's right after go-karts because it was just the big jump we were going to take. Thought it'd be the best way to get to the top. And did that for a little bit. Did a little bit of race my first year, not very much. And then last year, started to race more, traveled a little bit at the end. And here we are into this year. Uh, did a lot more traveling this year. Made it down to New Smyrna. Um, Anderson traveled with the CRA a little bit. Planned to do that at the end of the year and run some more jigs races and hit some tracks in Michigan on the way. Now, this, so I guess there's a couple of things I want to clarify. First off, you still sound like you might be 11, Paige, but you're a, f a freshman in college. Is that right? Correct. I'm a freshman in college. You you have a young voice, and you'll be you'll be happy about that in a couple of years. But, um, Paige, so this sounds like you've not been behind the wheel of these late model sportsmen for very long. Not at all, in the grand scheme of things. So, are we looking at what about three seasons here? It sounds like. Yeah, two and a half, three seasons, I'd consider. Okay. So now, what led you to come up to Corrigan Oil here this year and and see what's going on there at that little racetrack? Um, last year we wanted to make it up there, but with COVID restrictions and everything, all the Michigan drivers seemed to come down and invade Indiana. So at the beginning of this year, when we were making up a plan on what we wanted to do, I didn't really just want to stick at one track this year. I thought, you know, let's go travel some places. So after Anderson on April 17th, Corgan had their first race the next week. And I was like, let's just try it and see if you like it. And we ended up liking it and racing most of the season up there. And, and what I, what I did notice and, you know, kind of props to you for this. Um, you're not you're not picking racetracks that seem, let's say, easy. I mean, you are going up against some of the best late model sportsman drivers Michigan has to offer, either at Corrigan Oil or at Kalamazoo. Oh yeah, um, first at Corrigan Oil, it's been a blast. Um, I've gotten to race against John Trudell from Springport. He's come up there once. Uh, Really fun racing against the Bozos. You know, that's great competition anywhere. It doesn't matter if any Michigan track, any Indiana track. Uh, those are just, you know, stout drivers anywhere they go. So it's been fun getting to learn and race with them side by side. Uh, when my first win came against Phil Bozell and my second one came against Andy. So, you know, getting wins against people of that caliber make you feel just a little bit better about your wins at the end of the night. And Steve Dorr, of course, too. I haven't gotten to win against him yet, but hopefully soon. 
Uh, we'll let Steve know that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's a friend of the program. He's been on a couple times. Uh, but what? No, but what's also cool is you not only picked up a couple wins, second in the championship standings at Corgan Oral. That's pretty cool too. Yeah, um, it wasn't really planned at the beginning of the year. We just thought we'd go up and try the track, and the first night didn't go too well. Uh, picked up a heat race win, but then the uh, roof and every other body panel got ripped off the car. Didn't didn't end well. Um, so we missed the week after that, and then after. After the week after that, we were like, well, let's give it another shot. So we went up there, got a lot of thirds up there. I thought that was just going to be my position for the rest of the year. Um, got to race against Dan Lake and got third to him and then got a second there. And, yeah, so we, we started picking up better finishing positions as the year went on. And then we got a first and then another win. And things really didn't work out our way for the championship. But, you know, coming home with two wins this year, I feel like a champion. For sure, and and it, it sounds like this year's plan was just to do that and try to find some racetracks and go find some wins. Um, as Rich mentioned up here, Corrigan Oil and Kalamazoo, but it looks like you visited Angola, and uh, you mentioned going to Anderson earlier in the season. Um, you've just been kind of chasing racing, and uh, like Rich said, you're not picking easy racetracks to go to. Um, what is what leads to your decision to go to a racetrack? Is there some sort of criteria that you're looking at here, or are you just trying to pick them off and get some laps? If it's a circle, I'm going. Um, <laughs> first and foremost, I, I just I race. I, you know, it doesn't matter if it's square, triangle, circle. You know, I just I want to go. So as, as long as my crew chief, Alan Chiffon, if he's down to race, I'm down to race any day. We mainly, that's a year, just was like, let's go to this track. And then the next week, it's like, there's another track having a race. Let's go there and try it out. So this year, you know, we picked off some tracks that we really wanted to get to. Some we didn't quite get to get to because of conflicting schedules. We have other race cars in the shop, other racers on my team. So, you know, some we didn't get to get to, but, you know, next there's always next year. And I, I hope next year with Plymouth opening up as an asphalt track again, we're super pumped for that. And mainly next year, just traveling around again, trying to hit different tracks. Now, you mentioned some races with CRA, and uh, so you did some late model sportsman stuff this year, and, and you mentioned you might try to hit some JEGS races to finish out the season. What's the end goal for you, or I guess not even the end goal, but what's the future goal? Uh, is it still template late model racing and just a higher caliber, or, or what do you want to do, or have you even thought about that only uh, barely three years into this? Oh, I, I thought about it since the first day. I, I think about it all the time. All the time I'm thinking about racing. Um yeah, we went down to New Smyrna at the beginning of the year. That was my first time on 10-inch slicks, first time crate racing. And I feel like we took a knife to a gunfight. Um, you know, we just the caliber of people you're racing against, I wasn't used to. And the money that those people and sponsorships that they have, they bring to the table, is completely different than what you get around the Midwest. Um, we had fun, though. Uh, wouldn't trade it for the world. And went to Anderson and did some CRA stuff, which I, I always love going down there. Only gets to go down there twice a year. But the end goal is just keep on racing. I, I'd be down to race anything. I, I'd race anything with wheels, but I'd like to get higher up. You know, there's always that dream of getting to the top level of a caliber of racing. And that's where I want to be. You know, it sometimes feels unrealistic, but you never know who's listening and who's watching. Now, Paige, that, you know, the, the powers that be here at Horsepower Happening sometimes ask if we can go cover racing events and sometimes i have to say no and this is where i knew i already liked you because i have to turn it down for golf um tell me about i heard and and i watched some of your videos um you're a pretty good high school golfer and are you going to continue that through college 
I was a high school golfer. Um, yes, it interflicted with racing and racing over golf. That's for me and my dad. <laughs> oh, there's t- the other- there is time for both. Trust me. <laughs> well, I know you asked my dad. He said, this isn't Girl Scouts. We're going racing. Um, Mom, on the other hand, golf, she's like, you got golf. You don't need to get in a race car. But no, I really, I really did enjoy the golf. Um, you know, it, it took my mind off things. It was kind of a break, you know, from being in the shop all the time and then being at the track helping and watching and then racing. So it was a nice relaxer. Um, I had a pretty good senior season, uh, did really good at sectionals and had a really good, good year all around. I don't plan on playing college. The fact that I'm going to college to be a PA. So that, that school is hard enough enough. Um, but I continue to play in the summer. I play with my crew chief. He loves golf too. So we try to shoot every once in a while. Haven't really had that much free time this summer between a uh, race and two, three days a week and working on, we have seven cars in the shop at all times. So, and I think, I think that probably helps you, doesn't it? I mean, I know how calm, calming golf can be. And I also know how frustrating it can be, but it also helps you stay calm. That's got to help you behind the wheel, whether you believe it or not. Right. Um, in some ways, yes, it's, it's a nice relaxant during the week. You know, you're all tensed up on the weekend. You're all, I mean, even if you're having a good, good night, there's still that stress. There's always that stress when you're racing. So the golf sometimes, you know, on a Wednesday night, just, you know, nice to just like take a breath and be like race cars aren't a thing right now. Um, I never really kept my cool in a race car and I never really kept my cool in golf. Um, <laughs> I'm a pretty avid talker. Um, so you probably learned that about me if you ever had me back on. Um, <laughs> Not a very good listener either. <laughs> well, and and so that may lead into my question a little bit: is what sort of challenges have you faced in your career early? Again, just three years into this, um, and what I mean by that is you've got a couple of things that historically work against you in our sport. The first gleaming one, of course, is that you're a female and that's still a minority in our racing sport and you're young. Um, have those two things, do you feel like slowed you down at all or, or presented any challenges for you or, or hopefully the answer is that folks have welcomed you and uh, have really helped try to make your career as seamless as possible. Many of the people have welcomed me a great way fans especially fans fans love to see that um drivers have been pretty good you know i i can't say that i've had too many people discriminate and i never want to assume someone of discriminating against me because i'm female or because i'm young you know racers don't really go to the track for that i can't say there aren't some good old boys out there you know there's always (laughs) going to be people behind the curtain that say things and you know you can't change your mind but i don't go to the racetrack to care about what people say or think of me i i'm just going there to race so that's probably been a challenge for mentally to get that out of your head. But uh, challenges otherwise, um, you know, obviously just wrecks and stuff like that. It just kind of bogs you down. After that first race at Corrigan, I was pretty bogged down since we had such a fast car that night. I think we really would have had a chance at a good finishing spot. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, I've, I've had the opportunity to interview Haley Deegan um, and Natalie Decker, and I know when we, Zach and I have an affiliation with Nashville Fairground Speedway and we see JoJo Wilkinson down there. Uh, is that the direction you, do you, do you want to be mentioned with, the, maybe not Natalie Decker so much, but uh, do you want to be mentioned? I mean, are, are those women in motorsports that, that you'd like to be mentioned with? You know, I'd, I'd like to say yes, but if I'd like to be in my own caliber, honestly, you know, I, I want to be the best. I don't want to be with, 
just Haley Deegan. You know, I want to be mentioned with Kyle Bush. I want to be mentioned with Kyle Larson. Well, maybe not him. He's in his own little bracket this year. <laughs> um, but, you know, I want to be mentioned with everyone. I feel like the more we separate, oh, female driver, it's just like, well, she got 10th or she got a top five. That's great for a female. You know, I think it, I think that just takes away, honestly. I don't think we should be separating them from the pack. You know, it's great that they're doing that and they're being trendsetters. But I don't want to be, oh, she was just, that's so good for a female. I want to say, you know, that's a driver right there, regardless of gender. I think that's interesting that you wouldn't take those wins as a win. Um, and to Rich's question, too, I got to ask, what what has your relationship with uh, Tracy Hernley been like, if there is one? Obviously, racing at the track that she helps promote, and uh, we've had her on the show and asked her some of these same questions about being a female in a prominently male-dominant sport, which is changing, um, but have you grown a relationship with her at all through through racing at that track? Yes, her and her husband both. Um, there was supposed to be, there was a big outlaw race on my birthday, I and mean, then I tried to get her and her kids in on it because I wanted them to have sportsmen as a you know, side piece to that show, but they never ended up doing it. But no, she's been great. Uh, she was there in victory lane, her and her husband both when I won my first race and I actually got to take a picture with her with the checkered flag. So that was, I mean, incredibly awesome. And they gave me the trophy, which, you know, I wasn't supposed to get that night, but I wasn't leaving there without a trophy. I don't care if it's 10 grand, 20 grand. I'm going there for that $10 trophy. Okay. Exactly. I'm not there for the, I want to remember it, but no, they've been great. I mean, I love that facility up there. I love the people. They're great. And especially to, you know, following the footsteps of someone like herself you know she's done extremely well up there you know i'm just i'm baby steps compared to where she's at so it's it's cool going to a track like that and knowing that females have had success there now like i said uh, you know zach and i have an affiliation with nashville fairground speedway i saw in your schedule that uh, you were planning on running the jags portion of the all-american 400 is that still your plan Yes, that is tentatively my plan. I would love to race down there. Um, one of my uh, teammates, Tony Dagger, raced down there in a modified years ago and won. He has a guitar. So I, the joke is I'm always going to take it from him one day when he's not looking. So I have a guitar of my own. But I'd, I'd much rather win one. But, you know, the biggest thing for getting down there is probably sponsorship. Uh, money's, money's big. And those, those people are zillionaires. So trying to find funds to make that race will probably be the biggest factor and if i do show up down there we'd love to but you never know and now i know that uh, you do have some people that help you you've mentioned the the shop that you work out of with uh what was it nine cars that come out of that stable but seven, seven i'm seven. sorry seven cars that come out of that stable uh what are what are the names on the side of your car what are the names back in the shop that that get you to where you are and we're able to get you these two wins this year at corrigan um tony dagger with the Kami auto parts we'll speak more on him later Fonky Farms, O'Shaughnessy Farms, Lamont Farms, uh, Robinson Record Service, Anderson Excavating, which is my father, uh, Steve Hammond with Cornwell Tools. They've all been super, super helpful this year. Um, Alan Chiffant, you know, he maintains all the cars all week long, full-time job. I mean, it's insane what he does. He spends countless hours in the shop, and I've spent a lot of hours this year, this summer, learning from him, whether it be you know, setting up the cars that we've done a lot of shock work this year, which I've been really interested in is building shocks and learning about that. Um, Tony, a racer himself, way ahead of where I am. <laughs> you know, he's a little bit older than me. He's got a little few more races under his belt. Um, he's been super helpful and 
coaching me this year. He spotted for me a couple times, got me more comfortable with tracks, and he's been a great help along the way. Um, Ashley Chiffant, she races front-wheel drives out of our stable. Brooke Dagger, Tony's daughter, races front-wheel drives out of our stable. And Blake Dagger, Tony's son, races modified. So all, it's just a team effort. So short term on the schedule, um, obviously the weather's still nice. Uh, where are you, where are you guys looking to get out to next? Um, so everyone else is racing Angola's doubleheader weekend this weekend at Angola. It's a big show and me and my dad are probably going to head up to Spartan for their harvester race. They have that big race and we haven't touched the car. So we're like, let's just leave it in one piece and make sure it's ready to go for Sunday and give Spartan one more go around and hope for the best with the win. And then, uh, Anderson after that will be down at Anderson and Springport for the Michigan cup and then Winchester. And then that Winchester race, of course, would be at the end of the year. It seemed like uh, I was kind of looking through, maybe a little disappointed that Winchester got taken off the schedule for this weekend. Uh, were you looking forward to a tune-up race there? Um, actually, I'd rather take my car to Winchester at the end of the year. That way I have a winner to fix it if it uh, needs to be <laughs> Probably the smartest answer that any racer could give you i'm trying to save money here yeah no that's but. that's that's a good call for sure now all right you wanted to mention you wanted to fall back on uh one of the people who support you um and was that tony right you said we would come back to him so yeah. what's what's his story okay. tony's story um he started racing in the ice age i'm just kidding no he's <laughs> no he's, he's no, right along a, right uh, alongside with my buddy rich france they started racing yeah. at the same time yes um tony's done everything modified late models, super series. He's, I mean, he's raced, he's raced everything. So, you know, getting that feedback from him on what I'm doing. And before I was like, man, where do I lift? Exactly, exactly what point on the track? He's like, I can't tell you, you just got to feel it. So I was like, I don't know what you mean by feeling it. I don't know. But um, he's got me more comfortable with, you know, what my car's doing. Um, definitely passing cars and knowing where I'm at on the track. And He's won so many big races, so it's, it's great having that support and that knowledge, like driver knowledge. I already have that crew chief knowledge and car knowledge that I told you about, but just the knowledge of driving, because it's, it's a big step to go from go-karts to late models, and I met him my second year. So he's really been a big blessing to my racing success this year. I feel like for you, every time on the racetrack, even a place that you've been to multiple times like Corrigan, has to be a learning experience for you at this point. Uh, you you almost have to find a way to take something more from that time on the track and, and be able to apply it to get better. Yeah, my biggest fear getting into a car is every time I hop in the car for the first practice, I'm like, I don't know if I remember how to drive. I don't know if anyone, <laughs> if any other driver gets that. But I'm like, do I remember? And then I get out there and I'm like, oh yeah, I got this. But Every time I've gone out the track, at any track, for you know, keep going, it's what can I do better? Um, you know, driver improvement has been the biggest thing this year. From where I was when I went down to New Smyrna for Speed Weeks in February compared to where I'm at now are two totally different drivers. And, you know, part of that's been trying different tracks and doing different things and going different places because every place is different. You know, you have to learn and pick up different things every track you go to. So that's, you know, it's a learning curve every time I'm on the track. And I think what I've what I've noticed from listening to you is um, the pretty smart thing that you can't learn if you're constantly fixing the car every week. And, and for the most part, you've done a pretty good job of, of being able to take a good race car home with you. Yes, um, for the most part, this the beginning of the season was a little rough. I'm not going to lie. We had a lot of fixing to do, but 
I've kind of slowed down my race schedule. You know, I there at the beginning of the year, I think I had 45 races on my schedule and we were racing like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday. And it just got to be not too much, but it was like, we've got six cars to take into the track and we're, we're all pretty mediocre. So at some point I was like, I just got to step back a little bit and start focusing a little bit more on each of these tracks. And so we start getting them under our belt and that's what we did. We started focusing. So at Corrigan mainly, cause we just wanted to pick up a few wins up there and stopped racing so much on Saturdays to do Friday nights and Sunday days and got the cars really figured out there. All right. Well, uh, obviously you're very busy with, uh, going back to college now. Has that been affecting uh, your racing at all? Or, or I say going back to college, you're going to college for the first time, right? So, uh, it, has that presented any new challenges yet? Um, not yet. I'm only, I just had my, you know, my first week was last week. This is the first day of my second week. So homework, you know, I've been trying to stay ahead and get prepared, um, for, the upcoming races and stuff. I'm trying to make sure I don't have things to do on the weekend. And during the week, you know, I've been pretty good about keeping my car in one piece these past few weeks. So we haven't had much to do besides maintenance on my car. Other cars, I try to get in the shop and, you know, help out and see what's going on. Um, but that really hasn't presented a problem so far. Paige Rogers, the young lady from Fort Wayne, she's unavailable to go to parties until at least November 1st due to racing. Uh, that's pretty clear. Uh, so, Paige, uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, it was a pleasure to get a chance to talk to you and to learn more about you. And uh, good luck with the rest of your schedule. And, and who knows, maybe we'll get a chance to see you before it's all over this year. And good luck with next year, too, if we don't talk to you before then. Awesome, guys. Thank you for having me. Well, our pleasure to uh, bring Paige in. What a, what a nice young lady. And, man, you, you mentioned it. She has got a level head on her shoulders for as young as she is and as little uh i mean just three years behind the wheel of these big cars you know zach you can tell that when when she talks um you know she, it, this is not uh oh i'm gonna go racing and then i that, then i'm gonna go home and um put my heels on and 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 you know go out to, to the club or anything it doesn't she, doesn't she her her she's very level-headed and she knows what she's talking about when she's talking about a race car and uh and you have to know how the car goes together, what makes it go in a circle. And, and she's learning that, and it seems like she's learning that very well. And you know what? Here's the other thing about that is, uh, you know, her decisions right now all revolve around that race car. She told us before we got started, she goes, yeah, I'm going to college, but I'm stayed close to home because I need to be able to work on that race car. So uh, she's passionate about the sport, man, and, and I'm excited. I'll be looking for her to see what she does here over the next couple of years. She broke my heart a little bit by having to put golf back and say, saying, "Oh, we can't golf and, and race." Don't tell, <laughs> don't tell Rich France that. I'll, I'll have to make a big decision. Hey, I've seen you hit the golf course and go to the racetrack on the same day, my friend. So it can be done. I, yes, it has. That, didn't it? I remember that. that we, had, we had fun that time, didn't we? It was a good time. Hey, what else is going on in the industry, man? Well, Zach, uh, between Cassius Clark and Father Billy, they had gone 19 tries at the Oxford 250, the biggest super late model race in the Northeast, uh, without a win to show for it. After a late battle down to the wire with one of Oxford's best, that streak ended uh, with the younger Clark in victory lane in spectacular fashion. Ca uh, Cassius held off Derek Griffith, um, and then 2017 race winner Curtis Gary to the checkered to win his first career Oxford 250. Uh, not even damage to his right door of his number 13, uh, sustained avoiding an earlier incident could slow him down after taking the lead following a pit stop with 74 laps remaining. 
Clark would hold off Gary by just 0.131 seconds at the line, one of the closest finishes in the history of the Oxford 250. The win came in his 14th try, uh, tying a record held by last year's winner, Johnny Clark, for most starts before their first Oxford 250 win. In that time, he had scored three top fives without a win. His father, Billy, also made six starts in the late 80s and early 90s and started on the pole twice, but could only muster a best finish of fifth under the Bush North banner. And Zach, after driving from the rear of the field and working himself into contention, Bubba Pollard faded late and brought his 26, that new Port City 26 machine home in 10th. Well, we mentioned that uh, racing was kind of few and far between over the weekend, and I uh, do want to mention that Butler was able to race. They had a doubleheader on Friday and Saturday, uh, Saturday night action. In the 410 Sprint Car Division, saw our buddy Mad Max Stambaugh go back to victory lane in his house, number 5M, and he held off uh, a, a good field of sprint cars and uh, grabbed the win. And also happening, they crowned some champions, and uh, Tim Wilbur picked up not one, but two track championships. Rich, it's uh, our pleasure to bring somebody on that I've been friends with for a couple of years, and, and we've had some people on that you've said, oh, I work with him at Flat Rock, and I've worked with him at Flat Rock, and we're friends because of Flat Rock. Well, man, this guy is a friend of mine, thanks to my time at Butler Motor Speedway, and he is a two-time champion this year. So what I mean by that is he's a champion in two separate divisions this year at Butler Motor Speedway. He also celebrated a big milestone this year. We'll talk about that and more coming up, uh, but it's our pleasure to welcome in Tim Wilbur on the program. Tim, hey, thanks for being on, man. Good evening. Hey, welcome. Thanks for having me. Man, uh, what a lot of fun you have behind the wheel of a race car, and, and you've got a lot of history behind the wheel of a race car, but over the last couple of years, man, it's not been out of the norm to see you in two, three. I'm surprised you haven't unloaded with a car for each division at one point. Um, for, I guess that's my first question is, what has led you to run over the last couple of years, both a UMP modified and a street stock almost everywhere you go? You know, I don't really know. I started at a, I'm going to say bad habit back in 11, 12. We had a sportsman. I told my dad, that's when the UMPs came to Butler. I'm like, Hey, I want one of these modifieds. My dad's like, man, son, I don't know if that's the right idea. There's <laughs> 40 of these things at Butler a night, you know, and uh, we picked the modified up, I think at the tail end of 11 and pretty much from there on, we pretty much had two cars every night. And so since then, man, you've been competitive in every car every night. You had a front-wheel drive, too. You've got the street stock. You've had the UMP mod. Um, I guess, is it just a love for racing? I mean, you just love turning laps, or, or, or what is it for you? You know, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm going to go with the addiction. Um, I I think every night at the end of the night of races, when you get home, and we wash the cars when we get home, and I'm exhausted, I'm like, I wonder what it feels like to go just race one car. And we've, we've dabbled in that a little bit the last couple of years on racing on Friday nights at 96 when you just race one car and it's, it's kind of nice, but uh, it's kind of nice going to Butler and being 50% of the field when you're racing two or two of the four classes. Now, do you get bored after Friday night or during Friday night only having one car to deal with? Do you find yourself twiddling your thumbs wanting something to do? Um, I don't know that as much as, uh, like a few weeks ago, uh, we went to 96, the, uh, all-stars were there and I told my wife, I said, Hey, the features up for the sprints. Let's go watch that. The mods are next. We got a little break, you know, like you go to Butler. I can't tell you the last time I watched the feature unless we're sitting <laughs> down in the square. Yeah, for sure. Tim, I, I guess I'll take it to the next level. You know, running two different cars is tough, 
but two championships in one season when most of everybody else around the state is just shooting for one. Um, that's got to be pretty thrilling. It is. It is pretty thrilling. Um, it's a little comfort level uh, when, when I've been driving another guy's street stock, so I did have a backup sitting at home. But uh, obviously you can't have a spare car for every class. But, you know, the modifieds would be kind of cool to pick up. I picked up one of them a few years ago. And, um, of course, Corey and I had a kind of a good points battle. But uh, it's just one of those, like, man, you know, you got that comfort of another car sitting at home. It's a little bit nicer. But I think the last few weeks, we, we check our bolts every week. But I think the last few weeks we might have checked – a few more bolts that I didn't know we had, you know, you just got to double and triple check everything. <laughs> now I've been at I-96 and, and and I've seen you race there, but I could have asked this question to Zach and kind of just said, Hey, tell me about him, but it wouldn't have been any fun. So I'm going to ask you, tell me how you got started in racing and then how you started building up to more than one car a night. Um, you know, when I was younger, um, back in the early eighties, probably I can probably remember my dad racing, he quit in 84, 85. So I probably the 81 or two, I could probably really remember it. Um, like I said, he quit in 84, 85 kind of for my sister and I to stay home with us. And then, um, I'm going to say he probably didn't make maybe three, four years. And then my uncle Terry, he kind of got him started in the addiction. Um, and, uh, my dad owned his car. So it was kind of every Saturday at one o'clock. I knew what was going on that day. I'm going racing with <laughs> uncle Terry. We're going to Butler. So, that's, that's when the old addiction started, you know, uh, little league quit about fifth grade cause they had Sunday or Saturday baseball games and that ain't going to happen for me, man. And the, the Wilbur name so synonymous with Butler and, and racing in Michigan, you talk about your dad, you talk about your uncle Terry. Um, and, and now you are for my generation and maybe even people a little bit, uh, older than me or younger than me. You're the name that people cling, cling to right now. What has that legacy been like for you? Uh, I know it's been pretty well tied to Butler, but really in the state of Michigan, what has that legacy of the Wilbur name been like for you to carry? You know, I don't think uh, I, I don't think it really settles in your head until you start hitting that age bracket where I'm close to that you realize things. Like, you know, when I was younger, you just went there and you watched the Brian Tylers and when Mackie first came to Butler, you know, and then the older you get, you're like, wow they've been racing forever and you kind of like start looking up to them and you probably watch how they drive or however, you know, and I guess I don't put myself in that court category of the state of Michigan of Tim Wilbur, you know, but there's probably some that when you go to I-96 or a different track, they're like, Hey, great. He's here where I guess I just think I'm a normal guy that puts my suit on the same way as everyone else. One leg at a time. Well, let's go back. Uh, Did you feel when you started because you knew your dad and your uncle, that the history that they had at Butler, did you feel any pressure when you started say, I got to do this right? Um, I don't think I had the pressure of doing it right. I started at 15. I think I had more of the pressure of when I passed this 35, 40 year old guy, I've got to run like I'm running from a bear because a 15 year old just passed him and they didn't like that idea. <laughs> yeah. Racing, racing uh, as a young uh, kid at that point, I'm going to say this, Tim, and I mean it with uh, the utmost respect, but back in the day when you were racing as a kid against these adults and having success like you did, like you kind of mentioned, really not received well. Right. I I think um, if sponsors were easy back in 92 when I started, probably we 
should have went to Target and got a sponsorship from Target because that's what I felt like was on the <laughs> rear bumper some night. This uh, this family that we're talking about continues to grow. Uh, you've got Jake, you've got Caleb, yourself, um, and I want to talk to you about that. First off, who are Jake and Caleb to you as far as the Wilbur family tree goes? So, yeah, the Wilbur family tree. So Jacob and Caleb are both Terry's boys. Okay. And then we extend the tree a little farther to Jeremy in the front wheel drive, which is another one of my dad's brother's boy. Okay. So now you have had the fun of racing with uh, Jake and Caleb in that street stock division. As a matter of fact, earlier this season, you guys finished, you guys cleaned out the podium. You won Jake in second, Caleb in third. What's it been like to race not only against your nephews, but to have them uh, do so well? Um, you know, it's it's really cool to see them all succeed and get better and, um, we, Jacob and I live three, four miles apart and I see Caleb just as much as Jacob, but you know, um, you, you see them both a lot during the week and, you know, of helping them throughout the winter or whatever help I can definitely help them. I do. Um, but it's, it's cool to see their success and at least, you know, when, uh, the torch gets handed down that it's going to three good boys. Plus, like I said, with Jeremy, you know, it's the, the, the flame on the torch is getting lighter on my end. How do they feel? I'm sure you've had conversation with them. Um, how do they feel about uh, kind of extending this Wilbur family legacy? You know, um, I I don't even know if that's probably dawned on them. Um, I, I think the biggest thing I kind of probably preached to them some back when I started, I always say there was a little more rivalry back then. And um, probably if I try to put anything into their heads, is you know, don't let the rivalry happen. Don't let the keyboard punchers on Facebook Sunday you know, don't start that stuff, you know, and I think that's probably anything like I try to keep them like, hey, try to keep straight, level-headed. You got a long career ahead of you, and I, I think they're aware of that. I'm going to talk about, for those who know about Butler and, and follow it closely or know, know about your family, I'm going to talk about what might be the elephant in the room, and that is your Uncle Terry uh, passed away a couple of years ago, and, and now there's a memorial race held in his honor, and Folks really look forward to that race. They turn out for it, and this year was no exception. Um, and I want to talk about Corey, too, who you were in a points battle with, and, and he posted on Facebook how much it meant to him to win that memorial race. I guess, first off, has it been hard to race without him? And then second, your response to the way the racing community surrounded your family when all that took place? Yeah, you know, uh, you just – unfortunately, we all take everything for granted, and – I've always heard people say that and you just, you go to everyone's viewing and people say it, ah, we just took it for granted. He or she'd be here. And you just kind of walk out of there and probably most of us say, oh, cool. We're out of that viewing. We didn't want to be at, and you don't really think about it. And when I lost my uncle Terry, um, it really settled in like, wow, I lost a big part, like a number two dad. Like I said, when my dad quit racing, like, man, my uncle Terry, Flash, I always called him Jake when I was younger. They always did. Like, man, my Uncle Jake was a big part of my life growing up. Um, and it, it was just weird with him not there. Um, and then especially with the two boys starting up and being close to the boys and not having him. And it's it's something I never had that feeling. Um, I, I don't think I've really lost a close, close family member to have to compare to until I lost him. Um the, the racing community, it's kind of like what I've said about the Wilbur name when I go to a track. I, I don't think I'm no different than no one. And once that happened, I was like, wow, my Uncle Terry meant that much. I, I, I didn't really think that. I just 
I just look at it again like we're normal people, you know. I mean, but with him racing there for so long, it's amazing how many eyes he's opened and touched people. You know, it's you didn't think that until it happens, and it's just amazing to see the outcome the reach of people when that happened i was very shocked all right you've mentioned it a couple of times you've kind of uh you've kind of foreshadowed for us what is left in your career i mean you've been racing like crazy the last few years as we mentioned with multiple divisions and now uh two track championships in one year at the same track uh what else is on your horizon i know that that the divisions you're racing aren't getting any cheaper um but what what else do you have uh, planned or what else do you want to do well, I did offer my wife over the winter, if I could buy a sprint car, I could race it two years and retire. And she pretty much knows me way too well after 21 years of marriage. And she says, well, Tim, if, if we did that, you would not retire after two years. And she was probably right. <laughs> she is. She, um, let I, me tell you, she is right. There's no probably about it. She is right. Because yeah. if you didn't win a race the first year, you'd have to go out the second year and try to. And then if you want to race the second year, well, honey, the third year, I'm going to try to get me a championship. Right. So she's got me figured out, but it was, it was probably more of a joke, but I found one for sale. I'm like, Hey, look at this turnkey operation. But, um, no, my, um, my 21 season, like I said, we, I don't even know if we started off the season as a championship contenders, like let's just go race. And the start of the year, both classes, we started out good. And, um, yeah, so we finished that year out, got it next year. Um, the zero car will not be there every week. Um, if I had to guess, I'm going to give you that ballpark, maybe 60 ish percent. Um, I've got one girl graduated another daughter graduates this year. And it's probably a little bit of time for mom and I to jump in the motor home. And unfortunately we're not going to a campground. I probably will find a local racetrack on Saturday <laughs> night to go watch, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm just ready to maybe slow down a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm not saying in the future and, five years that I might not run for another title in one car, but, um, yeah, next year I'm, I'm kind of ready a little bit for a break and find out what some Saturdays are like. And Tim, I was going to say, um, if these two youngsters start beating you on a regular basis, is that going to expedite your decision? (laughs) No, I I don't think that would at all. Nope. I, uh, I'd be very happy to go over there and finish third to them too. That, that would be a, that would be very cool. Like, you know, I want them to win. Um, like one thing I've told them, I, I'm not going to run, you know, no lighter than I did your dad. And I, and I always remind them of this. And, uh, one of the heat races back in the day, I spun my uncle Terry to win it. And, uh, of course we parked next to each other. When I got out, my dad said, you walk over to him. I'm not walking over to him. I didn't spin him. You did. you know, that's what I've always told them. I'm like, you know, I'm not going to run, you no lighter. I ain't going to run you dirty. I'll run you clean, but you know, I'm not going to run you no lighter. I remember one night this year in the heat race, which Butler's kind of came to right around the bottom. And I told Jacob, he started up front. And I just told him, low and slow, keep it on the bottom and you'll be great. And I got into second, second or third on a restart with Eric Swan. I go, oh, this ain't good because I'm good on the middle and top. I'm going to pass my cousin on the top. And he's going to say, you lied to me. <laughs> but luckily, luckily I passed him on the bottom. So I didn't fib, but you know, um, no, I, I'm, I'm ready for the day for them to beat me and me have to chase them. I'm fine with that. All right. Now, the, the one thing we haven't talked about is you hit a milestone this year with your win count. Um, and my understanding is you didn't even realize that you were near it or that you had hit it. Um, but Brian Renshaw kind of uh, headed this whole thing up. Tell me about that. Yeah, I knew. Um, I kind of knew over the winter, like, 
we were in that reach within, I think it was maybe seven or eight, you know, like once again, to kind of go back to what your counterpartner said, like, man, to win one championship and then win two, but man, to go over there and you got to win seven features. You know, some people, like I say, are happy to win one in a lifetime and we're greedy and we want to go get seven. Um, we, we started the year off at I-96 good and then we got a couple smuckered away from us at 96 with a couple to go. And um, I think Corey picked me off one night early in the season at Butler on the top and Eric Swan picked me off one night. I'm like, oh, you know, I don't really pay attention to it, but I know we got to be getting close. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think I knew we won one and then we had the rain out and that one night on the front stretch, I'm like, oh, the flag around him or get my car all muddy and yeah. my buddies were laughing at me and then I'm like, whoa, what are all these people doing here? And yeah, I, I guess I was just going out to win and I guess sooner or later someone was going to tell me it was at 200 and I guess they didn't want to tell me. Does that, I mean, you don't seem like the type of person to get excited or worked up about, I mean, you just go out there to race cars and bring home checkered flags, but did that have any sentimental value to you for that 200 win mark in your career? Yeah, it, um, yeah, you know, you, you, I think you've hit the nail on the head with me. I'm, I guess I just want to go out and kind of race and win and keep friendships where 20 some years ago, I wasn't really worried about the friendship. I mean, if we ripped the whole passenger side off and I won, it was still a checkered <laughs> today. Uh, it's a little bit different, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very cool milestone. You know, um, a couple of buddies and I maybe have talked over the winter. I'm like, man, I wonder how close this person is, or, you know, like what is the second best number there at Butler, you know, and, when you talk about people that have dominated Butler over the years, you know, you kind of like who, who's close else close to that number. You know, um, it did take 29 years. And as you said, driving two cars for several years to get to that number, which is tough. So one last question for me, uh, Rich, I don't know if you have anything else, but one last question for me for the Wilbur name, uh, what's going on with those girls you got at home? I, I, I'm surprised I haven't seen them occupy one of those, I don't know, front-wheel drives or street stocks that you got laying around. You know, I've never pushed that, and I guess I've always kind of figured if they wanted to, they were going to pursue it. And uh, I've uh, I've probably realized I've got one that's super shy, so I knew I was safe there, and I've got the other one that's probably me times four. Oh, boy. And I don't, I don't think there's a bank with enough money. So I didn't really pursue her, and luckily she puts long fingernails on, so I'm safe. So now is that something, would you would you be on board with that if they said, all right, Dan, I want to do this? Uh, would you be behind them? Yeah, I'd support their decision if they wanted to, if they would have. Um, and, and I don't think, I think the youngest one maybe a few times when I had the old front wheel drive several years ago kind of joked around about that or whatever, you know, which of course she was 12 probably then, but. Um, probably lucky for me, they never pursued it. So I guess I'm safe. <laughs> Tim, I know this is never uh, a one man band when you show up to the racetrack. Um, kind of, this is your chance to call out everybody who kind of helps you out on your cars. You know, that, that's a tough one. Um, you start calling them out. You guys are going to have a very long show tonight. Um, definitely the, the, the one on the top of the list is my dad. Um, that poor old guy is out here every night. I know he don't want to spend every night out here, um, but every night he's out here sweating, tears, doing it. I mean, we come home from the races on Saturday night. Like I said, um, the guys that help us on Saturday nights, you know, we come home, we wash them because we know they're here. They got families the next day. Um, but, I've, but I've been very fortunate over my 29 years. Um, I've always said that when I started off young, it, 
it was kind of easy to get help when you're 15, 16, 17, 18, you know, you, you've got young buddies, um, and, you know, just as we all progress, which is fun, um, you know, they get girlfriends, they get wives, they get kids, you lose them and you pick up another one, you know, even now, um, you know, you, you get a couple of young strings that want to come and help you and you're like, Hey, I'll take them. You know, those young grunts will take them, you know, um, I got one young kid, Caleb Blonde, that helps me every Friday. He's ready to go to I-96. And it's great to see that because I'd much rather see that young kid going racing on a Friday night than let me put this headset on and play this video game, which is just so tough with the next generation. But um, I, I've just been very fortunate over the years. Um, probably the farthest back I could go, and my dad's always said this, like Eric Swan, him and I are great friends started off helping me and then he builds a race car i'm like oh yeah that's a great idea and then it dawned on me well, wait a minute and it's lost a helper uh, you know? and and so then and you can... and you gained a great rival on the racetrack too by the way I, I know as a butler fan i love seeing you two on the track together yeah yeah we've definitely had good races and here a couple times this year in the heat race or a feature i'm like i think we could have went 100 laps and we probably would have had maybe the same outcome maybe i would beat you maybe you would beat me but just back and forth it's good fun racing Tim, man, it's uh, always been a pleasure to shake your hand in the pits and talk to you, and I know that you're that way with every race fan that comes down through there. So uh, I invite them to stop by and see that iconic zero car sometime this season. Uh, any big shows to wrap things up? I know championship night's done at Butler, so uh, what else you got on your schedule this year? Uh, we're going to hit Gas City. has got an old street stock spectacular Friday. We're going to hit that one Friday. Um we're going to kind of start 2022 season off early this weekend. My wife and I are jumping in the motorhome this weekend after that. And then um, I think we're going to hit, um, we're going to finish up the year at Butler for the two final shows. Uh, we will miss the roll of the dice at I-96. Um, Jacob is tying the knot and getting married. So we will hit that wedding. And then um, we're going to hit the Kokomo Clash. And probably Weather Penny will hit the Mount Pelier at the end of the year. All right, man. Well, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. Good luck with the rest of the year. Enjoy that camper a little bit next year, and uh, I'll uh, hopefully talk to you at a racetrack very soon, my man. All right. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Always a pleasure to chat with Tim. And, you know, uh, folks might want to – some folks that are not around Butler on a regular basis might want to say, well, he's a one-trick pony, but – I think when you see him go to I-96 on Friday nights and then when you see him go to Gas City for the end of the year shows and then down to Montpelier, you'll see that he's just a good race car driver who found a track that he likes and, and he likes to run there and win there. And, you know, Zach, I, th I thought it was ironic. You know, you introduced me to, t I mean, who Tim Wilbur was um, when you when you asked me about it when we were at I-96 working together once and you said, oh, watch, just watch him. And... And now I, I'm kind of getting the whole the whole Wilbur, um, oh the whole family how how they've all come up through racing and and where Tim's found his place and now his cousins now are filing finding their place and so um, it doesn't seem like the Wilburs are going to be out of racing anytime <laughs> soon not at all and it's funny Tim kind of hinted that maybe he's thinking about getting out of it sometime soon. Don't look for it. <laughs> Just don't look for it. It's not going to happen, let's be honest. Uh, because I'm pretty sure last year he told me he was going to spend more time in the camper this year. And uh, I don't know, maybe the camper hauls the race car to the track is what the what the exchange is there. Hey, speaking of campers, Rich France, you know what this weekend is, right? Um, yes, I know what this weekend is. <laughs> 
Are you trying to break my heart? Tri-City Motor Speedway, Friday night, $6,000 to win for the uh, All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series. It is coming to a close in a quick hurry. And, uh, man, can anybody catch Dona Marcoulier? I don't know. At this point, probably somebody would just like to win at Tri-City that's not named Eric Spangler um, because, oh, by the way, he picked up another win Friday night. And then Saturday, this is a pretty cool weekend, Rich. So you've got Tri-City Challenge Series Friday night. Saturday, you've got the championships at Merritt Speedway. And then on Sunday, we return for another Challenge Series race boasting $10,000 to win on Sunday at Merritt Speedway. So really a great weekend to get on out and, and head for the races. Yeah, and... We have another track on Friday that if you are more interested on the pavement side, uh, Kalamazoo Speedway will be holding their season championship night. All of their divisions running, they will crown all of their champions on Friday night, this Friday night at Kalamazoo Speedway. And then Saturday, as we mentioned, championship weekend at Merritt and uh, Winchester going to be hosting the JAG CRA All-Stars Tour for 76 laps around the high banks. And uh, that's going to be a great show, but... I'm not going to get a chance to be there, Rich France, because I need to back this freight train up. Also on Friday and Saturday, Great Lakes Super Sprints and Great Lakes Traditional Sprints. I need to clarify that, but I think both are in action at I-96 Speedway on Friday and Saturday uh, with the Great Lakes Series. Well, it's a good thing I have one of the best bosses in the business at Flat Rock Speedway, uh, which is going to allow me to head down to Winchester and cover that for you and handle the announcing duties for Champion Racing Association for the Street Stocks, for the Jake Seray All-Stars Tour on Saturday. Uh, 40 laps, I believe, for the Street Stocks. 76, I, like you said, for the, the uh, Jake Seray All-Stars Tour. So I'll be down there, and it'll be hard-pressed to get me kicked out of there before Sunday either. Yeah, I, that's what I understand, because Sunday it's the Flyover States 150 featuring the ARCA CRE Super Series. This is part of the chase, but Rich, even more so, it's a really good tune-up event for the Winchester 400. I think that teams might be more excited about this race uh, because of its uh, reason to tune up for the 400. That, Zach, and... I believe it's race number one for the chase for both the Jake Seary All-Stars Tour and the Arca Seary Super Series. So, um, you know, we talked to Kyle Crump. He made himself eligible for that by winning at Berlin. Um, I imagine we will see Kyle Crump there at, at Winchester this weekend as well. Yeah, and actually, uh, not to be a stick in the mud, but this is race number two. So Berlin counted as race one. So some people have already fallen off uh, for the Super Series. Now you have Hunter Jack in the uh, top spot, Kyle Crump in second, Scotty Thomasick third, and Cody Coughlin fourth for the ARCA Series. And then for the Jags cars, Coughlin sits atop the board. How about Andrew Scheid? Man, I'm really proud of this kid. Second in the points right now after a terrible, I'm just going to call it what it is, terrible regular season for that young man. Second in the points heading into Winchester. Chase Bird a third. Tanner Jack, another rookie in fourth. Dylan Bates and Brian Demlin round out the eligible chase cars for the Jags series. So the fact remains, Rich, uh, it's also Chase Racing for the uh, CRA Street Stocks, which just announced will be moved to Sunday's portion of the show. I uh, just got that memo. So uh, they will be a part of Sunday's show as well. They've got seven drivers that are a part of the chase. And if you've never seen the CRA Street Stocks, Winchester is a great place to see them because they put on a good show. We've seen them multiple times, and they put on a, on a good show every time we've we've seen them. Um, 
you know, a little, little disappointed uh, we're not going to see the CRA sportsman because I like them as well. Yeah. So I guess we'll just have to wait uh, another month or so to see see those cars show up at Winchester. And then, as we mentioned, uh, you've got that decision to make either south to Winchester or north to Merritt for $10,000 in the All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series. Uh, it's a really big weekend, Labor Day weekend of racing. Uh, sprint cars Friday and Saturday, pavement racing Friday, Saturday, Sunday, dirt track late model racing all weekend, too. Man, oh, man you got a decision to make, and, and Rich, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's not going to be like this for long. <laughs> no, you know, we, we talked a couple of weeks ago about, uh, you know, it was almost time for the specials. Zach, it's time for the specials. It's time for specials. There's, it is that time of year, and it's all kicking off this weekend at Winchester. Man, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be there to uh, watch it all and, and cover it all. Again, uh, Tri-City Late Model Challenge Series on Friday. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with that. And then uh, Saturday, of course, and Friday, uh, we've got Dirt Sprint Cars at 996. So I uh, hope you can make it out, Winchester as well, and join us at one of these great events. And we'll cover it all, talk about it all, on Monday's edition of Horsepower Happening. So we'll be back next week, same time, same place. For my co-host, Rich France, for the guy who pays the bills, Scott Menlin, I'm Zach Heiser. Thanking you so much for tuning in. And again, we'll talk next Monday night right here on Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com and be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.